Hi, everybody. We're back. And uh, this one's a real chill joke. Uh, like, holy shit. Yeah, like, I am happy we got to watch something that didn't suck. But this one is really sad, guys. Yeah. Today, so... we are talking about when the wind blows. And this was another recommendation from Jad. Oh, I am so sorry, Rudy. I don't apologize. I actually... This was like a palate cleanser in a way, just because, you know, we watched the Titanic anime movie, and then we had to watch the NFT cartoons. I'm like, this was just like a, a breath of fresh air. All right, so this is based off a graphic novel written by Raymond Briggs. He also made children's books, his most famous one being The Snowman. I think a lot of people read that as a kid. It's about the little boy mm -hmm. who built the snowman, and it comes to life. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, and I've never seen the uh, animated special. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, and the couple featured in both the film and, and the book are based off of Briggs' own parents. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Briggs grew up during the Second World War in uh, Wimbledon, England. Uh, the uh, graphic, both the graphic novel and the film he made were satirizing these... Uh, real-life pamphlets, it's protecting to five and advice in the householder, which instructed what uh, citizens should do during a nuclear fallout in the risk of a bombing. Yeah, we're, and, gonna, we're gonna get to that, but it's, like, pretty obvious <laughs> that, mm -hmm. you know, he wasn't, he was, like, making fun of these. He was not uh, in support of them. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and I didn't know this. Uh, another film he made, Ethel and Ernest, also got adapted into a film. Yep. You know, this was directed by Jim T. Murakami, who also directed The Snowman, and he also worked on Heavy Metal, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and the, ad the animated adaptation of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And we got a few notable uh, British actors who have decades of experience uh, forcing the main two characters. First of all, forcing Hilda Bloggs is Peggy Ashcroft. She has a career spanning over 60 years. She appeared in movies, TV shows, radio programs, and uh, her most notable role was playing the role of Mrs. Moore in A Passage in India, which won her several awards, including the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, a Golden Globe, and a BAFTA, which is like the British equivalent of the Oscars. Yeah, the BAFTAs are a big deal in Brighton. Mm-hmm. And then let's see. Um, John Mills voices the husband, uh, Jim. He also has a very lengthy career in acting and stage. His most notable role was Michael and Ryan's daughter. And he also won an Academy Award, a Golden Globe, and a BAFTA. So these are two, um, like, veterans of... Uh, British acting uh, yeah mm -hmm. stage theater and movies yeah and like yeah like these two were around for a very long time it seems I'm like looking at um their Wikipedia page wow this guy was in a lot of stuff like he was acting until he passed away wow that's amazing yeah I know like both of these like, they were acting back in the 30s and 40s, from the looks of it. Damn. And, uh, 
They uh, still got a whole slew of British talent and attaches from like the music for the film was composed by Roger Waters, uh, best known for his work as a lyricist and singer for Pink Floyd. Wow. Most yeah, most uh, specifically the rock opera The Wall. Oh wow, wow! No wonder the music mm -hmm. was so good. And then the main theme was written and performed by the late great David Bowie. So yeah, this is a movie that has a lot of talent behind it, and you can ki you can tell when you watch it, because um, it's also like a little bit of a mix of uh, animated and like stop motion too. Mm -hmm. Now I just want to say before we continue, we are going to be talking about some serious subjects. Um, we're going to be talking about war. We're going to be talking about um, death. So if this is not like your thing, you can uh, skip this episode. But uh, this we'll is probably go back to our previous episode where we talked about crypto cringe. Yeah. If uh, this is too grim for you, so focus on something more lighthearted, like us suffering in pain from NFTs. Yeah, cause see, despite the really cute art style, this gets really grim towards the end. It is heartbreaking and very shocking. It kind of is it gives you whiplash almost. Yeah, so it starts off uh, with Jim Bloggs, the uh, husband, and they live in a small, isolated cottage in the uh, countryside of England. Yeah, and then Jim... Uh, Jim has retired. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, they're uh, both in their old age, and Jim has a lengthy commute into town uh, where he reads up about the latest news and where he got pamphlets. It's like entered by the government like protecting survive, which is about what how to survive a nuclear fallout. Mm -hmm. And his wife I've uh tried I should ignore all that stuff cause see they uh both grew up during World War Two and the way they look back on it, it's almost like they sugarcoated how grim oh, it was because yeah. they remember the El Anderson shelters and the bomb armings. They were talking about how much they liked Winston Churchill and Roosevelt and all that. It was a little bizarre, but in a way it kind of makes sense. Like they're trying mm -hmm. to, you know, that was a very terrible time for everybody. So I think they were just trying to sort of, you know, sugarcoat it in a way. Yeah, and as they eat the dinner, they turn on the radio oh, and learn that from news that the uh, uh, Soviet Union in the Cold War is threat could, could it could go into a full-on war and nuclear strike. And Jim is horrified by the news and starts to get to work on making an impromptu shelter according to the pamphlets, which includes just screwing off door, several doors from on the house of the frame and just lean them against the wall as a makeshift shelter, which obviously is not going to do anything for the nuclear radiation and fallout. Yeah, like, like at all. I do admire him for trying to prepare, but like you know, now knowing what we know now, it's like it, the shelter was pretty useless. Yeah, it's like the equivalent to how they taught duck and cover to schools during that era. Yeah, like it's like Hilda the whole entire time is like. You know, she's being the wife. She's nagging him because I think she's like, I don't believe this. I'm not going to take this seriously. 
Because she's like, what are you doing with all our doors? Don't put my good cushions on the floor. Because also, like, when he paints the windows white to stop the radiation, he gets some on the curtains, and she's like, you should have taken the curtain. Like, she's just not, she doesn't think much of this. I, I, and you know what? I kind of also understand that. Just because, you know, you hear this stuff, and it's like, well, you know, how do we know what's actually going to happen? And uh, they, uh, he also, uh, uh, Jim calls his their son, and he seems to have fallen into nihilistic despair, saying that we'll all go together when we go. Which, yeah, it's really dark. Mm-hmm. And like again, it's kind of just juxtaposed by not just this adorable saw, but the way Jim and Hilda talk to each other, because they're just acting like everything is gonna be okay. Like they're just convinced that things are going to get fixed and we're going to get into that a little bit more towards the end oh yeah and uh so uh, when uh, several days after preparing for the shelter jim comes back to town talking about how there's there's barely any bread and food to buy because of panic buying which (laughs) yeah was also Oh, something That's we experienced sad. ourselves during the early days of the pandemic. Yeah, and I was like, oh, wow, history does repeat itself. Because mm-hmm. all he could get was, like, some Christmas pudding, some cookies, some cheese, I think. Like, that's all they mm-hmm. really could get. And uh, then news break out on the radio that a nuclear missile is just minutes away from striking England, to its... It's Jim and Sister Hilda that they had to get into the shelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Hilda insists that they still have a lot of errands around the house they got to do. She's like, i go get the washing. And he, like, yells out to her. He's like, no, come back. Like, he even calls her a, a bitch. And she's like, like holy shit. She's like, yeah, language. We, there's no need to be rude. But, like, he, ha- he finally manages to grab her and get her under the shelter now. While the shelter didn't stop the radiation, it did protect him from the initial, like, blast. Because when the blast hit, it destroys their house. It Yeah, it destroys a lot of stuff around town as well. And throughout it, you can hear Hilda shout echoing, My cakes will burn! Yeah, and it's... The scene is so eerie. Because you see, like, the cars crashing. You see the buildings falling. You see animals running. It's just... It's surreal, but also very emotional. And then, like, another thing is we also kind of see... What is the... Uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, like, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, oh, uh, then we they also focused on, like, their, uh, their wedding picture. And for a second, I'm like... Oh, uh, yeah, and how their life went by. Yeah, it's like, is, it their, is this their life flashing before their eyes? But then the picture frame just shatters. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and so it's a few, they had to spend in a few days in the shelter. Hilda insists that they need, she needs to use the bathroom and wash the dishes and continue on. But Jim insists they had to stay in the shelter for a few days because of the just... fallout. He was trying really hard to make sure, like, they followed the rules and stay protected. <laughs> but, you know, and again, I kind of, like, I kind of understand where both of them are coming from in a way, just mm-hmm. because, like, with Hilda, you know, 
they're retired. They live in the countryside. Having a nice, clean house is probably all she has right now. Mm-hmm. You know, her son's all grown up with his own family, so she's like, what What do I do? Yeah, and despite the Ishalta protecting them from the blast, slowly but gradually they begin to suffer from radiation poison as oh. Hilda starts to suffer a headache and feels tired. And she gets sick a lot. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, so one of the reasons I just found this to be very, oh, what's the word, um, effective, is it shows how Hilda changes. And also Jim, like, you know, they start to, like, look really gaunt. Um, they're very slow and sluggish. We start to, like, they oh, have yeah. these rings around their eyes. Hilda's gums start to bleed. They get lost oh, yeah. on their body. It's... They uh, try to uh, focus on the errands that had to run, and they try to keep calm and carry on, as the Brits say. But uh, it seems like they're not fully aware of the fallout and the magnitude of the situation as all the utilities been cut off, they're running low on food and water and supplies, and when they go outside to try to relax in the garden, everything's been burnt to a crisp, and there's barely any sign of life anywhere. Yeah, like, they have the this really nice garden, and it is destroyed. And, you know, like, okay, so the thing is, is Jim is extremely... Like, positive. Like, he honestly thinks everything is gonna be fine. And, like, it's I just, do yeah. get that to an extent. But I think it's just, like, I think it also kind of shows how sometimes you can't be... You can be positive, but don't be naive, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, he is trying to also make sure his wife doesn't lose hope. And I do admire that. Like, he is trying very hard to keep things together. But I also feel like he has, like, we were talking about how they were very nostalgic of the uh, war. I think mm-hmm. he's somehow, what's the word? Um, I guess, I think he just sort of thought it would just turn out the same way. Because there's a lot of things where he's, like, sort of imagining what would happen, like, if he was part of the war or if, um, a Russian came into the house, like, what would they do? It was just, it was, like, again, I found that just really interesting, because I think sometimes when something's in the past, you just sort of look back at it, and it's sort of surreal to look back at it. Yeah, like, uh, it shows how Nishata Blind can really uh, alter your perception on events, or mask how tragic they can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Then this is like, okay, so we get into like the really upsetting and sad part because like when we get they're toward, pra- Yeah, they're practically bedridden now. Yeah, they don't have any water because, um, you know, since it was fallout, the, um, the pipes aren't working. They don't have any electricity. Um, the only, like, they had, a, I think, a little, um, what do you call it? A little, like, rainwater. Stone. Yeah, they had rainwater. Oh, yeah. But they and also, a little, like, campus stove. Yeah, that's all they had. Nothing else. Um, so, you know, they're hungry. They're thirsty. And also, I feel like... You can tell with Hilda, it's also finally getting to her. Because she goes upstairs to the bathroom and she screams. Because there is a rat in their toilets. Mm-hmm. 
And also, we see Jim is trying to climb the stairs, and he is struggling. And it is, it, it's a really sweet, like, but kind of bittersweet scene, because he's trying so hard to reassure her. It's like, it's okay, it's okay. But she's like, you can tell from her voice, she's, this is probably part of her, like, this was her breaking point. Yeah, when she realizes her hair falls out, that, oh God. apart from her, begins to realize that they're gonna die. And yeah, they don't say it out loud. But yeah, and because of that, they uh, she suggested them that they get back into the paper bags they were running in the nuclear shel- fallout shelter, and it is incredibly sad. Like yeah. Jim's trying to joke about it, saying, "Now I know what a potato feels like." Mm-hmm. And like you just hear in their voice how tired they are. So they go, they're in their bags, and they go into the shelter, and she says, "Should we pray?" And she, and Jim's like trying to remember a prayer, but he's getting it mixed up with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, mainly this uh, patriotic uh, British uh, poem, yeah. poem by the 1800s, the Charges of the Light Brigade. That's what it's called, yeah. And I think, then does he say, um, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death? Yeah, and that upsets the uh, dying hitter who weakly asks him not to continue, and mm-hmm. his voice fades out and that's the end and okay so i just want to say something i think it was a lot more effective that they didn't like show us their dead bodies Mm -hmm. you know they were just like well they're dead like we know they're dead and i think that sort of like i think that sort of um yeah, that's a, a lot more effect- effective than just showing them on screen dying. Like, like especially when the show cuts onto to the uh, asphalt sky and the sun just slowly breaking out yeah. through the ashes. Like, that was way more effective, mm-hmm. I think, and more so, subtle. Now, I know this will not be for everybody, but I... Oh, no, no. It's depressing <laughs> as fuck. I know, but that's sort of, I feel, like, the point. Like, here's... Yeah. So, here's mm-hmm. how I view, like, depressing and sad stuff. I'm totally fine with stories that are sad and depressing if there is a reason for it and if it's done well. Because I have watched movies where it's, like, you know, it's really sad and everything, and you're supposed to feel for the main characters, but they just make them so whiny. They don't do this with um, Hilda and Jim. They feel like oh, they... no, not at all. They start out optimistic and or even dismissive of the uh, threat. And they're even in denial at first until it begins to slowly hit them. Yeah. And I like also, I think this was also kind of a really good um, commentary on how the government really didn't help people. Like the pamphlets really didn't do anything like jim has two different pamphlets he is looking at and while he the shelter did help everything else was not that useful like some of the things were but most of it wasn't yeah and it was clear that these pamphlets were made to try to uh placate uh, people's worries about nuclear all out surviving a nuclear fallout Mm -hmm. rather than helping them survive a nuclear fallout yeah it was more sort of like like um Placate them, you know. I'm, not, I'm probably saying that word right, wrong. Um, but uh, it, like again, this movie is very depressing. But it just, it does a good job of showing us what happened during the Cold War without being, I feel, too heavy-handed. 
and like hitting us over the head with it. I think it does everything right. And, and you actually care about the characters. Oh yeah. Like, like like you said, they're not running. You see how they were before the uh, nuclear fallout, and then how it affects them to the very end. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I also think what I really like is how it has this like really cute um, art style, and that's a little bit deceiving. Cause see, like when I was sitting here watching this, I'm like, why can't we get more stuff like this? Like. I would love to see more animated movies that, like, talk about serious subject matter that don't have, like, that ugly art style that is usually for stuff made for adults. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know? Like, the uh, cutesy art style definitely judged the, was a good juxtaposition at how uh, grim and dark the subject matter was. Because, mm-hmm. like, we talked how the guy who wrote this also did The Snowman. It looks like the art from The Snowman, really cute and mm-hmm. warm and inviting. But, again, it's just dealing with something really shocking. So, like, and, I, I appreciated that. I was like, why? Again, I would really like to get more stuff like this. Like, I, I just, again, I really appreciate this. And I really want more people to watch this. Like, again, it is very depressing and it's dark. But I also think this could be a good teaching tool, but also just to kind of show how, you know, because there's still a lot of people who are like, oh, animation's for kids. But it's like animation is a medium, not a genre. And yeah, it's like all of Asia and Europe understands this, but yeah, uh, no. apparently America doesn't. It's so bizarre because we're home to Disney, which is one of the biggest animation companies, and people are still like, oh, animation's for kids. It's like, yeah, tell that to uh, Hayao Miyazaki or, or any of the various uh, directors in Japan, and like the French make a lot of really beautiful animated stuff, so it's like, mm-hmm. why are we the only country who keep doing this? What are we gonna yeah, do? you're like getting uh, probably clueless overpaid executives. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, again, now if you like can't really take death, or if you don't like war films, probably don't watch this. But I fully and wholly recommend this. I f- I also I was doing a lot of the um, research. I tried to like do a lot of the research ahead of time just so I make sure we have it. And I just was finding this really interesting. Because, you know, I didn't know a lot about Raymond Briggs. This guy, he made a lot of stuff, but he was also really, what's the word? I think, you know, because we talked about how he grew up um, in World War II um, in Wimbledon. And, you know, you can kind of tell as he's writing, has in the movie that, um, you know, this he is He lived through stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Because then also the main characters were based off of his... Um, Parents. Parents. Yeah, because he actually had to evacuate before turn, and he then returned to London. But he had to evacuate during um, World War World War Two, um, and he also was in the uh, National Service for a while, and then he came back to study art. So it's like you know, this is a man who lived through war. This is someone who got it, who understood it, and you can tell. Yeah. And, but I also really like that this was a person who's like, I'm going to make stuff that's for kids, but I'm also going to make stuff that's for adults. And I really, really admire that. So oh, definitely. I think, let me, hang on, let me check. Is this, um, this book is probably on Amazon. I'm going to check real quick. Because I'm actually really interested to check out the graphic novel and some of his other works. Snowman, time, yep. It is on Amazon. 
I... Someone tells me you'll be picking that up. Oh, I totally will. Um, <laughs> just because, I mean, I, you know, I didn't know much about him until we started doing this. And one of the things I really like about this show is how much we learn about the people who create this stuff. And how yeah, and especially really... why they create it. Like, mm -hmm. for not, uh, barring some of the uh, shit we reviewed in the past couple of weeks, uh, some of these stories, some of the movies and stuff we review, since that's pretty personal, like, uh, how Ralph Boxy uh, worked on, on Fritz the Cat because he wanted to do something that was more in line with the era at the time, or in this case, it's how for Blanche it was, uh, oh shit, Briggs, it was a much more personal story about out, out, uh, anti-war and the government. Mm -hmm. And that's like interesting you know because i sometimes feel people forget that the art people create it, a lot of it is taken from their personal experiences and as i've said this was just such a, a breath of fresh air just because i mean you could probably tell in the nft episode how frustrated i was just because there was no effort put into any of those cartoons all of them were lazy and uninspired they just were made solely to try to make money this was made because there was an obvious story to tell, and the director obviously wanted to tell it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to give this a, you know, yeah, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. I recommend it, but again, if you can't handle death or you don't like stories about war, uh, skip it. But I think I highly recommend this. What about you, Jad? Oh, yeah. I'm debating somewhere between a 4.5 and a 5. Many, well, I do love... How for the cottage and the interior they use stop motion sometimes. I'm sorry, the stop motion animation and the hand-on animation don't quite sync up perfectly, mm -hmm. but uh, it's more nitpicky, so I'm going to have to look at uh, 5 out of 5. Yeah, I think this might be our first thing where we both have it 5 out of 5. <laughs> Again, oh, such a, shit. Such a difference from last week's episode i am so happy you oh uh, yeah this no was... dogs rapping about potty time no nft monkeys in space no red apes oh, no coins uh, i'm so so happy relieved yeah and then all it took was a movie about nuclear fallout <laughs> all right so we um still have some sort of sad news that we gotta get into Ah, uh, yes. I'm going to try to explain of deaths. who this person is. So there's this character called Dame Edna. And Dame Edna was a persona made by a man named Barry Humphreys. Um, and you might have maybe seen pictures of her or people may be parroting her. She had pur light purple hair and these really fun, uh, like, kitschy glasses and she was very over the top and like yes she was a big she was deal. like a parody of the typical australian ship up night yeah um she's from australia um and yeah like she's kind she was also the character was used to sn satirize like the cult of celebrity snobbery and prudishness and stuff like that she was kind of she's sort of important to like you know also the like drag scene well, unfortunately, Barry Humphreys, who created the character, has died at 89. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you Americans might know him best as the voice of Brewster Shock in Finding Nemo. <gasps> Wait, 
wait a second, that was him? Yep. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Dude, okay. now I'm yeah. sadder because I love that character. But here's the like, this man was a talent. He had like three other characters too that he created. Like this was a man who was super talented. He wrote a bunch of books. He has a very long filmog filmography. Oh yeah, you're right, Finding Nemo, Bruce. Um, He's made CDs. There's been biographical studies on him. He's won a bunch of awards and everything. So this is a man who has, you know, he's uh, has clout and he is influential. So yeah, this is this is sad, but he had a very long career, so it's not as sad. Yeah, and uh, we also lost another legend recently, the Harry. Belafonte. Oh, yeah, you I said it right. Hope Belafonte. I didn't. Okay, Harry Belafonte died at the age of ninety-six. Oh wow, he he lived a long life. Oh yeah. Um. So I mean, okay, now I feel if you don't know who Bar Harry Belafonte is, I, I, I hate to say it, you're an uncultured swine, but um, <laughs> like I think everyone knows one of his songs. I think probably his top two most favorite songs are "Banana Boat," "The Day." Of Oh yeah, that. Oh yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you you've seen um, Beetlejuice, right? Oh yeah, of course that scene. Um, at the end, yeah. where Lydia comes home, um, a song starts playing, and it's called "Jump in the Line." And oh, he also did that one. Yeah, Jump in oh, the line, neat. Rocky Bonnie. That's one of my favorite songs. Um, I also mm -hmm. like. He did a song called um, "Zombie Jamboree," which is a fun mm -hmm. song, but. One of my favorites, um, I'm going to do a little bit of tiny history. Um, you guys know I'm a massive Muppets fan, and Harry Belafonte was on The Muppet Show, and Jim Henson considers the Harry Belafonte episode to be one of his favorites because it Aww. ends with the song um, Turn the World Around, and you have these really beautiful, like, African-inspired puppets. And, like, see, they, they continue to sing the song, and the song normally ends with, you know, Let's say thank you to our guest star, but they finish the episode while the Muppets are singing the song, and even Statler and Waldorf Jordan in. I posted the um, oh. the video. I will post a link to it when I post this episode. But like, yeah, um, yeah, this one, this one, yeah, this one is upsetting because he was also an a African American rights activist. He oh, definitely. The, the first like leading man, um, in Hollywood in the fifties. He worked on a lot of stuff. And now this I didn't know. He was an inmate of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is a man who not just had a career in entertainment, but he's also been active in civil rights. So, yeah, we lost a really great one. Oh, That's he was in the Black Klansman. That's been on my watch list since forever. Who is that? He's in that? Who was he? Uh, let me look it up. Uh, let's see. As uh, Jerome Turner. Oh wow! I didn't realize that was him. Mhm. Mm so yeah, um, rest in power, Harry. Now you added this one. Ah uh, yeah, this was breaking. Like it literally happened the morning we were gonna record. Like, controversial oh, talk show host Jerry Springer dies at the age of seventy-nine. Wow. Oh. Yeah, this was. This was really, uh, 
recent, like literally this morning. Oh, yep, and... yep. 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Dang. And for those of you who don't, if you probably grew up in the 90s and 2000s and had to stay home on a chic day, maybe you have a fake memory of his show, but uh, Jay Springer was known for some uh, shocking guests and subject matter on his talk show, The Jerry Springer Show. Yeah, which the... ran from 1991 to 2018. You're not the father, that was him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, this is I, I'm a little, like, torn, because, I mean, I do... It does suck that he dies, but he was a very controversial person. A lot of people didn't consider his show to be, like, I guess good. Yeah, it had a habit of appearing to the lowest common denominator, let's just put it at that. Yeah, that that's true. Like, and no offense to him, you know, it's like, it's just a lot of people, it kind of felt like, I guess you could say, like, people considered it for, tr like, kind of trashy, trashy? Trash TV. Yeah. But again, it sucks that he has died. I feel bad for his mm -hmm. family. My thoughts are with him. Now, the thing is, he was pretty funny because he was on an episode of, what do you call it, of the Whose Line Is It Anyway? He was like, Oh, uh, yeah. And they they did a joke episode where the rest of the cast pretend to be characters. <laughs> yeah. And he also cameoed on The Simpsons. I kind of didn't see. Now, the thing is, I had wondered like if he had died already just because he has not been doing much. But he he was pretty old, so... Um, yeah. now, okay, this I'm actually really excited for. I think you're excited for this, too. Oh, yeah, I'm constantly optimistic about this. Yes. Tiny Toons University set to premiere this fall on Cartoon Network and Max. We finally have a, ta a trailer. Yeah, it's a fight to Sasloth. And the trailer looks good. Like, I was actually Yeah, like, the, really they actually put a lot of effort into the animation from the looks of it. And even reference really some of the uh, lesser known uh, Looney Tune elements as well. Mainly the, oh, yeah. oh mainly the uh, Better Left Forgotten Seven Art Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we like we saw some of you know the OG Looney Tunes because like they're going to the school where the uh, OGs learn to be you know the top comedy cartoons. Yeah, um, this reboot Acme University is a boarding school now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it looks. I, I am also cautiously optimistic of this just because the animation in the trailer is really, really good. It looks really smooth, but it also seems like it's keeping in, um, you know, in the same vein as, you know, the OG uh, Tiny Toons. You know, like it's well, like with Steven Spielberg involved, I can imagine he wanted it to be of quality. Yeah, he did make the original one, didn't he? Yeah, he was the executive producer, and he's the producer on this reboot as well. It's uh, okay. co-production with his company, Emblem Entertainment. Oh, okay. Um, and I feel like some people forget this, but like Steven Spielberg is actually pretty funny. He's actually like really clever and witty. Because mm -hmm. um, he also did uh, Animaniac. So I, uh, yeah, like I want to be optimistic about this too, just because like this is one of the few reboots I'm actually. Uh, looking for. Yeah, and uh, we'll oh, see okay. how it goes. Yeah, so fingers and crossed. And you added this one. I 
which surprised to hear about, uh, Markiplier is going to direct and star in a film adaptation of Iron Lung. Yeah, I was, um, I think I saw this on Twitter, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I okay, so I don't really, like, follow Markiplier, Markiplier, I do watch his videos every once in a while, but, um, mm-hmm. I'm actually really interested in this. He's been making, um, videos for a very, very long time. Yeah, I watched him during the FNAF days, and mm-hmm. he's basically the king of FNAF and how he was able to 100% oh, yeah. every single game. I kind of feel like FNAF got so popular because mm-hmm. of him. Um, he, he was like one of the first people to play it. And I think he's also going to be in the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, like as a guest star. Oh, shit. Yeah, and he's been doing really well for him. Like, he's one of the few um, uh, uh, streamers. Yeah. That seems like a nice guy. Not only that, but he's one of the people who's been... He's been streaming for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. He's one of the few, like, YouTube stars to still be on the platform and, like, making money and still having a large fan base. And that's kind of, I think, really... Um, oh, he's 33? Damn. Um, he. It's really surprising just because a lot of the OG YouTube stars are not on YouTube anymore. Yeah, they're jumping ship after all those policy changes. Well, not just that, but also a lot of them turned out to be absolute monsters. Oh. A lot of them s- sucked. Like, he started in the 2000, like, th- 2012, around that area. So he's been, he's been around for a while. So, you know, I'm really happy for him. Like, I'm not, like, a diehard fan, but it's like, I'm really happy he's still around and doing stuff. And, you know, him directing this movie, I think, actually makes sense because, you know, he's been making videos for a very long time. Oh, yeah. It's cute how when he visits his mom, he loves taking videos of him playing with her dots. Mm-hmm. Like, it's adorable. And he also did, like, some sort of mini-series a while back, too. Mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. So, it's like, this kind of seems like the next logical step. So, um, I'm looking forward to this. I also, um, I think I have Iron Long on my wish list. It's a horror game. Oh, uh, yeah. It's on uh, multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. It's a short horror game where you pilot a tiny submarine through an ocean of blood on an alien moon. That sounds Ooh. really cool. So yeah, um, yeah, I want to see this. <laughs> All right, uh, you take this one. Y- okay, um, this one uh, you told me about. Halle Berry and Angelina Jolie are set to star and produce in Maud vs. Maud. So we have now, two powerhouse actresses starting a movie together. Uh, Oh, definitely. Uh, I believe they're both Oscar winners as well. Yep. Oh, wow. So um, let's Berry see. Berry was like the first uh, non-white person, non-white woman to win a uh, Best Actress. Oh, yeah, for Monster Ball. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Uh, so what's this film about? Let's see. Uh... I'm trying to see if it gives us any info, because this is mostly talking... More about the people who are making it. I don't see anything about the plot. Hmm? Yeah, I'm not seeing anything about the plot. Uh, hang on, let me look it up. Mod versus mod. So let's see. It says Roseanne Lang is on board to direct, and the script is by Scott Moser. And it's also going to be produced by uh, Barry and Jolie, with Barry's producing partner, Holly Jeter. 
Okay, I guess says, they're keeping the plot details under wraps. Yeah, it maybe says exact details are being kept under wraps, but an insider describes the pick as Bond versus Born type of globe. And, oh, it's going to be an action thriller. Okay. Oh, awesome. That would be interesting because they both have starred in action films, so that would be really interesting. It, I actually think that would be good, and I'm going to see it just because these are two actresses I love. But here's something um, a lot, I don't think a lot of people quite loved. National you Treasure. Cancelled huh? by Disney. Yeah. After one season. Oh, jeez. Yeah, National Treasure cancelled by Dis on Disney+. Plus. Cancelled after one season. Like, I didn't even know they made a National Treasure's TV series. Me either. Oh, my gosh. Like, I thought the sequel flopped. Yeah, the, fir- the sequel didn't do that well. A lot of people didn't like it as much as the first one. Um... But this is something we're... Okay, and even at the bottom, it says a number of Disney, non-Marvel, and Star Wars original series have been canceled after one or two seasons, including Big Shot, The Mighty Ducks, The Mysterious Benedict Society, Diary of a Future President, and Turner and Hooch. Okay, so I gotta say something. Uh, Disney, stick to what you're good at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know okay. that sounds mean, but like... I've noticed Disney's been having a problem with a lot of their original stuff on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, mainly live-action stuff. Yeah, because both of us hadn't heard of this until today. <laughs> like, I, I didn't know there was a TV show. I, I just Because also, didn't the Willow show get canceled, too? Um, it's in the air, I think. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I just like... Uh, maybe just stick to the Marvel and the Star Wars stuff. Maybe make some more cartoons. And we're also getting into more streaming stuff because Paramount Global strikes back a Warner Brothers Discovery and $50 million countersuit over streaming rights. Oh, boy. Okay, uh, so this one's quite a story. Now, uh, Paramount uh, is got, oh, well, back then they were named Firecom. They are well, very late into the streaming world, and with all these streaming services blowing up, instead of jumping in themselves, they instead decided to license off their properties to whatever streaming network wanted it. And the streaming rights to South Park, which is still a big deal, even after only uh, six seasons, mm-hmm. there was a bidding war between Disney's Hulu Warner's HBO Max and Netflix with if uh, Warner HBO Max outbidding them all for nearly half a billion dollars. And South Park like, is one of their um like one of the shows that has been watched the most on HBO Max. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, but then eventually uh, Firecom merges with CBS and rebrands into Paramount. Same goes for the streaming service. CBS All Access became Paramount Plus. And they realized, oh shit, we might actually need something to drive subscription numbers. Mm-hmm. So, since they couldn't get back the rights to streaming rights to South Park, because of the deal with HBO Max, they said opted that instead of doing a full season, they would instead do two hour-long specials exclusively for Paramount Plus. We Which got the uh, South, the uh, two-parter South Park uh, after COVID special and the. Uh, two-part streaming was special. And I think both of those did really well, didn't they? Oh, uh, yeah. And, like, like, they were really popular on, on Paramount+. Plus. And they also did land good reviews scores as well. Mm-hmm. 
And I mainly got a kick out of how they made fun of cryptocurrency and NFTs. Like, <laughs> they link in the, like, in the second part of the stream was, uh, because of climate change, one company was trying to uh, promote urine as an alternative to water. And they got a bunch of celebrities who endorse cryptocurrency oh to endorse God. this new uh, urine company. That sounds exactly like it. Yeah, that. Yeah. I think, well, it also makes sense because Ding Dog totally ripped off their art style. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I can imagine Park and Stone being salty about that. Oh, yeah, totally. I still think they could sue. Yeah, and because of that, uh, instead of producing a full season in order to uh, make these, these streaming specials, one of those discoveries sued Paramount for allegedly breaching the contract. So instead, Paramount is kind of suing them to get the streaming rights back to South Park, uh, alleging that they were are unpaid their, what they were uh, owed. Oh boy. This might not end well for Warner Brothers because they are in debt right now. Yeah, they got like a $50 billion debt and after all those years of bad decisions and they are desperate to unload it. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into that later, but uh, I'm really pissed about this next bit of news. Uh, how did... Baldwin manslaughter charges dropped in fatal rust shooting. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, like, even if it was an accident, there still has to be accountability. Yeah, and I think what's been bothering me about this is Alec Baldwin doesn't seem to give a crap about the family he has affected. Mm. Like, no, he's oh. trying to get paid, like, him and his wife just posted a picture of his wife sitting on his lap, and, oh, oh god, it was cringy. So it's a picture of Alec Baldwin sitting with his wife in his lap, and it's like supposed to be all cute and everything. But if, if he killed a woman, he'll, he'll, yeah, I'm sorry, but he killed a woman. Oh God! Now, thankfully, dropping the case doesn't mean they can't refile it in the future. Like, really, the main thing is just people are upset because Helena Hutchins, who was killed, she hasn't gotten justice, and I feel so bad for her family. They had to see this man's ugly face. And remember that he killed their daughter. I just screw this dude. I am so over him. I am never gonna watch another movie. Mm -hmm. He has started. Mm -hmm. I and I am so sick of his wife. His wife is annoying the crap out of me. I hope she vanishes. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just really angry about this. Yeah. I feel so and, uh, bad for Helena and her family. Yeah. Well, uh, onto lighter news. Uh, teaser trailer drops for Venture Brothers. Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. This is a movie, now, right? Yep, it's gonna be a made-to-DVD movie. Like, uh, so a couple years back, uh, after the, uh, I think it was the AT&T merger, they mm -hmm. abruptly canceled the Venture Bros. Like, apparently it was too expensive for them to continue producing. But wasn't this, uh, like, one of their most popular shows? Yeah, it was a, it was run for eight seasons. Damn. So because of that, it didn't get a proper conclusion, and uh, but then uh, most recently, the uh, Adult Swim announced they were going to do straight to DVD movies based on three of the uh, shows: Aquagene Hungerverse, Metalocalypse, and Venture Bros. With the creators of Venture Bros. others announcing that this would be the uh, proper conclusion for the series. That's good. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing worse than, like, loving a show and then it just doesn't get a, a proper end. And also, like, um, Venture Brothers was kind of like a parody of, uh, like, Johnny Quest and stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. I always thought it was really funny. The characters are really fun, and um, so like, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this. What what was the name of the the main character, the the, the guy with the blonde hair, Brock? Something. Um, let's see, Brock Sampson, voiced yes. by Patrick Wilburton. Yes, I love that character just because he's like every, um, some like he's kind of like every Arnold Schwarzenegger character rolled into one, <laughs> without the accent. Oh uh, yeah. All right. And uh. This one, oh my god. You posted this too, right? Okay, so Lilo and Stitch live action remake recast David following controversy. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, like uh, already this this film is a shit show. Like not only are they doing a live action remake of Lilo and Stitch, but uh, some of the actors are looking a little bit too light-skinned to be Hawaiian. Oh yeah, they showed us who they cast as Nanny and people are rightfully pissed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, yeah, the, uh, guy who was gonna play David in the movie, they, uh, found some racist slurs all over his social media account, so they dropped him w- after that. And it was that. recent, right? It was, like, Yeah, it was pretty recent. Stuff. Okay, so, you know, like, I, I kind of was already not interested in this movie because, you know, it's Lilo and Stitch, and that's not a movie that really lends itself to live action, but the casting decisions have not been all that great. And then for them to have to recast, while the film is being, it's being worked on in Hawaii, it's like, oh, this this doesn't really, this doesn't bode well <laughs> at all. <laughs> nah, it's so, going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it is. Someone had posted a picture, you had posted a picture, I think you had found on Twitter, that somebody made of, like, what... Uh, of like what Stitch was gonna look like, and he looked like a small version of those blue characters from Avatar. I was so happy um, that was fake. Yeah, I would say I generated like. Yeah. Oh, I thank God it was fake. Don't know how this movie is gonna pan out, but I don't. I don't think it's gonna be good. We know it's not. Oh <laughs> God, no. Because he, here's the thing: when it comes to the animated Disney movies with animals, it's so much better for it to be animated because unfortunately cgi is still not that far where we can make well okay so here's the thing we can make animals expressive because we've seen how rocket raccoon is super expressive Mm -hmm. but for some reason they can't do it with other animals because like lion king the animals all looked really bored yeah it just proves that realistic doesn't mean better exactly Mm -hmm. i guess we're just i don't know we're just not there and i'm yeah, I'm not looking forward to this now. This was something you added. It kind of almost uh, seems like it's been like, I don't know, the past month. It's like we keep hearing all this news about people being inappropriate or hurting people. So NBC Universal CEO Jeff Shell departs following inappropriate relationship. God damn it. And yeah, starts. it's clear that they found something oh, like, man. oh, Jesus, and and he was telling how Universal was going to be uh, focusing big on animation, too. Oh, no. So, to know that uh, he did a lot of stuff like this behind the scenes, yeah, that's not uh, good. Mm-hmm. It's just he... especially after Matt Lauer uh, uh, got fired from Today Show a few years back after... Others harbor stuff we found out about him. Mm-hmm. He admits he had an inappropriate relationship with a woman in the company. Um, it doesn't really say anything else, but um, 
you know what? I'm gonna at least say this. It's a good thing they admitted this now. Just yeah, instead of trying to cover it up with Activision. Yeah, that would have made it much worse. But yeah, this is probably gonna affect the company, you know, and we don't know if it's gonna be negative or positive. But like I've said, it just seems like we're like almost every other day we're finding out that someone in the entertainment industry has had an inappropriate relationship um, with a woman or somebody. It's just this is getting really exhausting because it just it feels like it's a constant thing these days. It's like, can people just behave? Just come on, guys. Y'all are adults. There's no excuse for this. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure we can call this lighter news because of how uh, fucked up the movie is, but uh, on July 19th, the original Terrifier will be returning to the big screen for a limited run. Yep, the cult classic from 2018 with Art the Clown. Yeah, like, uh, the reason to do this is because of the breakout success of Terrifier 2, and... Like, we already talked about Terrifier 2 and it's surprise success, like, it made $10 million against a $250,000 budget. Mm-hmm. And it spread purely through word of mouth about how brutal and uh, gory the kills were. Yeah, and, like, and this has sort of come like a phenomenon in the horror scene just because um, it's, got, it's gotten super popular. And again, it was by, like, word of mouth. No one, I think, had really heard about this film until people started sharing it. Yeah, and it even got uh, good reviews. People saying it was a big improvement over the original. Mm-hmm. And they're working on a third film, too. Yep, Terrifier, th- they're working on a third one. And, I might oh my god, it. Terrifier 2 has an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Damn. Like, that is really big for an indie slasher. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like people are like, why is, like, 10 million not that much? But, it's like, it is for an indie movie. It doesn't have, like, any big-name stars. Like, there's no, you know, like... Um, there's no celebrities at yeah. all. These are just, you know, these are actors, you know? It's not like it's got Chris Evans or something in it. So, not to mention it, it was funded by a crowdfunding campaign. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Yeah, watching this film's success has been really interesting, but it also gives me hope that maybe the horror, like, horror films will maybe start doing more original stuff again. Just because we've been getting a lot of remakes and reboots in horror. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, one mutual of mine on Twitter, they're optimistic about uh, the horror genre as well. Mm-hmm. Alright. So, and, oh. also added this. So, Richard Lewis it, has Parkinson's disease. Richard. Yep, and because of that, he's retiring from stand-up comedy. Okay. Now, Richard Lewis, he's a comedian and a uh, an uh, actor, he he plays a recurring character on Kirby Enthusiasm, and he suffers a whole lot of uh, health issues from depression, eating disorders. So, oh, even then, he still a lot. He reflected on that stuff in his comedy. Notice mainly his focus on self-deprecation, dark and neurotic humor. And he just has had a lot of health problems, but this seems like it'll put an end to his stand-up career. So he says he's going to focus only on writing and uh, acting from now on. See, this guy has had a lot of work. I just looked at his Wikipedia. He's also done voice work. He was in BoJack. He's been working since, like, the 70s. So 
it kind of makes sense that he's now going to like take a step back to from um stand up and you know just mm-hmm. sort of try to focus on his um his health oh yeah especially since he has a lot of health problems does look into his wikipedia man yeah by dysmorphia uh drug abuse recovery and Ooh. oh my god man and even had much of a surgeries since 2016 due to his several health issues He's had back pain, and he shattered his shoulder in 2020. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. That poor man. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah let, let let this man retire from stand-up comedy. Let him rest, please. Yeah. All right, we have some more kind of bad news. Um, Disney begins their second round of layoffs. <sighs> yeah, and it's For 4,000 many... people by Thursday. Uh, no. Yeah, and this is clearly done to... Uh, it's clear that they're doing this to uh, just uh, satisfy the shareholders. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because and cut spending. Uh, looking through it, uh, the departments that seem to be the most hit by this are Freeform and ESPN Plus. Do you uh, think this was also affected by them yet about the metaverse thing? Because it also says that they terminated that team. Yeah, they completely. Sh- like, uh, they were in the middle of developing it under the Bob Chapek uh, regime, but uh, when I got stepped in, he completely shuttered it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, let's see, also hit our D- the D23 fan club and the complete shuttering of 20th Digital Studios, which mm-hmm. was a division in a 20th century entertainment that focused on internet-only content. See, I know that while Disney is still making money, I know they also are having a few issues. Because, like, we talked about in, I think, the last episode, how they had to totally, they totally shut down the metaverse thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also the, uh, like, the park, uh, what is it called? Park uh, attendance? Park attendance, uh, attendance, oh, right. Yeah, it might not be as high as they want it to be. Because we yeah, are they... going through a recession. Yeah, and they uh, and it seems like they'll just keep pocket tenants capped for the foreseeable future. Oh, really? Yeah, they, ever since the uh, pandemic and when they slowly began to reopen, even then they capped maximum capacity. So even I think even then that they're not allowing parts to be at full capacity for the foreseeable future because of it. That might actually be a good idea just because, I mean... We don't know if, you know, COVID's going to come back. But also, the people who work at the parks are already overworked. Having less people mm-hmm. would probably help. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, like, I understand why they're doing this. But it's like so many people are losing their job. And the job market right now is not that good. If people have been having a hard time finding jobs even with qualifications. So, I feel really bad for the people who are losing their job. Yeah. Okay, this is something that both of us are not looking forward to. Twilight's TV series and early development at Lion Gates TV. My God, why are they bringing it back? Uh, okay, all right. So, I wanted to say something. If you, like, read the Twilight books and you liked them, that's totally fine. However, it has been a while since these movies were out. The first one came out in 2008. 
so it's been like about let me think of wait five 15 years is that it it's been a while yeah yeah because the book came out in 2015 we are in 2023 and here's the thing i noticed a lot of people who read those books have grown out of them oh definitely i i can't think of a single person who's still into the ad franchise yeah because like didn't you notice as soon as the movies stopped, people stopped talking about them? Mm-hmm. And here, and like, one of the things I think I found really interesting is um, Robert Patterson and uh, Christina Stewart, who played the leads, both hated Twilight. They solely did those movies to try to further their careers, which I, I totally get and respect. But they both mm-hmm. hate, like, a bunch of people on the cast did not like Twilight. They were just like, this is a paycheck. Yeah, this, I can't imagine anyone watching this show when it comes out. Because also just the thing is, is like, the hype for this didn't stay, you know? Mm-mm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but like, people still really love Harry Potter, and it's, you know, part parts of it still hold up. Twilight doesn't. Because, like, a lot of people grew up, it's like, you know what? This relationship between Edward and Bella is creepy. Yeah. It is so not a good relationship. Because, first of all, Edward is 100. And Bella, I think, was 17 or 16 when they started dating. So, no thank you. But also, (laughs) Edward, like, gets obsessed with Bella super quick. And, like, one of the things he does that's really 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 creeped me out is he watches her sleep he like breaks into her room sits there and watches Ugh. her sleep and then she that's some up. stalker shit right there yeah but the worst part is bella's like yeah this is okay bella no no this is not okay you need to call chris hansen call the police <laughs> call your dad <laughs> like call somebody so i'm just like i also just feel like why do this now you know it just feels really like a weird time. Yeah, like they're not gonna capitalize it. Mm-mm. This is all. not going to make the money that they think it did. Cause see, mm-hmm. it says like um, the original, like the five films grossed three billion at the global box office back in the day. God. I don't think it's gonna reach that. Mm-mm. Cause again, people have moved on, and there's also much better vampire stuff out there. So. Yeah, I don't see this doing that well. Now on to some better news. Yeah, so they dropped the first uh, a little teaser on the Disney Wish. And from the looks of it, it's going to visit more exotic locations. Like they teased uh, uh, ports in Africa and the Southeast. So that's not some stuff you'd... uh, think of when you think of a cruise line especially disney but it seems like they want uh, that this disney uh tra- wait disney oh no way it's for the disney movie the wiz i thought yes. it was about the disney cruise line no 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 no, Shit. no they released a trailer for it today oh crap sorry about that yeah like uh the newest animated music of wish is coming out this november and they just dropped the trailer t- for it today like it looks great. Like they're finally doing, when uh, the hybrid uh, anim 
computer animation and hand-drawn animation that they use in the shorts for a full-length movie, and it looks yeah, they beautiful. Paper Man, and yeah, this looks really pretty. Um, the character's name, the main character's name is Aisha, and um, what, from what we've seen, what happens is a star falls from the sky onto Earth, and it's like alive. It is a live wishing star, and it uses its magic to make like it brings some flowers to life. She has a pet goat named, um, what's the character's name? Uh, Valentino. Valentino. And the, the goat's sitting under it, and then he starts to talk. And also, it's voiced by Alan Tudyk, who also voiced Hey Hey. Of and, course. Um, Tuk from like, Ryan, He's Ryan been uh, voicing in every uh, animated movie since, I think, uh, Frozen? No, 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 Wreck-It Ralph, because he was the voice of Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, right, King Candy, yeah. right. Um, Alan Tudyk is kind of like, I guess, a good luck charm. Which makes sense. He's a very talented, talented uh, voice actor. This is going to be yeah, released in Yeah, he has a lot of range. Oh, yeah. This looks really good. It looks epic. And they played part of the song in the background that, you know, so I have, you know, I have faith in this, that it's going to be good. Like, again, I, I've said this before. It's like when Disney focuses on the animated stuff, I feel that's when they do much better. Oh, yeah, definitely. So like, like animation... No matter how much time changes or, or stuff they acquire, animation will always be the lifeblood of the company. That's something Roy E. Disney once said. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this, like, looks really good. Like, even, it's a, you know, it's, just, it's a teaser trailer, so we're not seeing that much because the film's not coming out until November. But it looks genuinely beautiful, like, vibrant and colorful. Mm-hmm. There's, like, you know, an air of mystery. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm genuinely interested in this. I hope it's good. I think it's gonna be good. Hope they don't fuck up marketing like they did with Strange, Strange World. I don't think they're going to, cause this is like their, um, cause I think the the star is supposed to be the Disney wishing star. So it's like kind of part of their brand, and this also is also part of like you know a hundred years of Disney. They're gonna go all out for this, I feel, cause they've been also going all out for the Little Mermaid, which is coming out I think next month on the twenty sixth. Hmm. Yeah, 26. Um, yeah, like, uh, and they're also going to be giving it an extended theatrical window after learning the lessons from Lightyear and Strange World from what I've seen. Like, it's going to be yeah. in theaters for a lot longer compared to those movies. Yeah, that's something that I think they were going to learn sooner or later because, like, I think both, like, Lightyear and Strange World were only in, like, theaters for, like, what, maybe a week or so? A month. Didn't seem that long. A month, yeah. And then both of those films, like, lost money. They didn't, like, recoup, you know, what they cost. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is something everybody was talking about yesterday, but um, Disney is suing Ron DeSantis. Oh, yeah, this one is quite a story. So, uh, back in, I think, last year, was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was last year, and, uh, Florida backed the Don't Say Gay Bill, which bans the, uh, any discussions about gender identity and sexuality from being taught in grade, early grade schools. They claim it was about sex ed, but that was a little bullshit because it was passed in order to deny the existence of the LGBT plus community. Mm-hmm. Which has been like and- kind of Ron DeSantis' main thing. He's a mm-hmm. very homophobic man. He does not like 
anybody no. under the LGBTQ umbrella. Yeah, and... and uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. You, you go ahead. Okay, and he doesn't like the fact that Disney has been openly supportive of gay people. Cause yeah, and uh, at first, uh, the previous CEO, Bob Chapek, uh, did uh, fumble it because it found out that since his... Uh, since the start of his tenure, Disney contributed in a lot of political donations in Florida to both the censors and the politicians who drafted and sponsored the Don't Say Gay Bill. Mm-hmm. And at first, he fumbled when he was pressured to uh, release a statement on it oh, really from both did. Disney fans and employees alike. And his response was saying, Often when a company... He releases a political statement. It's often galvanized or demonized by either side of the political aisle and do very little to install change. We feel that all films that celebrate diversity such as Encanto and Black Panther can do more to install change than any lobbying or corporate statement. Now, it should come as no surprise that this statement was met with a big backlash from fans, members of the LGBT community, and Disney's very own employees, as a lot of companies, a lot of divisions in it within the company, including Pixar, staged walkouts in response to oh, that. Yeah. It was a a big deal because I mean I feel like maybe this isn't a big surprise, but a lot of animators are under the LGBT umbrella, so mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of them walked out. Like this was something that was a, like affecting Disney also because there were people at the parks who were working out too, so they had to backpedal. Yeah, and eventually, because at a shareholders meeting, uh, Chapek tried to uh, feign ignorance, saying that when they make political contributions, it's for the theme parks, and they have no idea what the uh, ideology is of the politicians they donate to. But they should have known better, because two oh, yeah. years before that, the author of the Don't Say Gay Bill promised he was going to, quote, squash the gay fi- mind virus. And then on re- Chapek's third attempt, he announced that Disney was going to pause all political donations in Florida and work to uh, get the Don't Say Gay Bill repealed. Which, as you put it, the Senate acted uh, quite uh, pitiful. Yeah, um, I think that was one of the reasons they just... Like, I kind of feel like that was one of the main reasons they decided to replace Chapek, just because... It wasn't just the fact that he fumbled it. He pissed off both sides. Because, like... Oh, yeah. He, that, that takes talent. But, like, um, with Iger, he's been sort of given old Ron the middle finger. Because, like we said, they um, they uh, are going to be hosting a LGBTQ summit. But they also are doing, like, Pride Nights. Oh, yeah. Disneyland... Uh... In Disneyland, uh, they do after dark events, which is like themed events, and after Disney park hours that you had to buy a separate ticket for. It's where they usually uh, have exclusive entertainment, merchandise, and food set around the event. And for the first time, they're doing one for Pride Month. Yep, and like also, I think they did something that if you wore like a red shirt, you could get a um. What was it like a? I think a discount on the ticket. I can't remember. But hmm. also, they released um, Pride theme merch. If you go to the Disney shop and type in Pride, there are little um, little uh, pins of Mickey Mouse ears. There's one with the Trides 
the trans flag and one with the bisexual uh, pride flag and one oh, with I got that one. lesbian pride flag. So, yeah, they've been pushing back. And, of course, Ron DeSantis hates this. He is so unbelievably pissed about this. And he's been, like, going after Disney, which has been really, really, really stupid. Because I think we talked about it a while back. Disney managed to um, stall them. It was yeah, about, like, DeSantis tried to appoint a oversight committee to, to turn uh, the Reddit District, right. which was Disney's uh, basically self-guiding... Of, of, uh, of and and district uh, that they used to maintain their property, they, that make up Disney World, and uh, his board was mainly made up of people who donated to him, him and oh god, there was this one guy who said that homosexuality was caused by tap water. The fuck. <laughs> and uh, but uh, Disney's would outfox him because. And the final months of the existence of the Reddy Creek District, uh, they uh, passed a uh, amendment and to give uh, Reddy Creek District uh, self governance until the last uh, uh, the last heir of the uh, King Henry died, which could be decades. Oh my God! And because of that, the uh, Board announced that they were working to void that agreement. In response, Disney announced that they will be suing Ron DeSantis over it. Okay, so I feel so. Here's my thing: like we both have talked at length about how, while we both really love the art Disney has created as a company, we are aware of some of the shady stuff they've done. But here's: you never go against the mouse. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Especially something so petty. I know, like, this is beyond... It's not just the fact that it's petty, but it's also just so hateful and extremely stupid because here's the thing. Disney is, like, the biggest taxpayer in Florida, and Florida gets most of its money from Disney. There and a lot of people visit Florida because of Disney. Yeah, it's tourism. If you, like... Because here's... I, I feel like people forget... It's not just, um, is it Disneyland or Disney World in Florida? Disney World is in Florida. Disneyland is all the way in California. But there's also um, the Animal Kingdom and Epcot. So if, you know, DeSantis fucked this up, that's not just Disney leaving Epcot and Animal Kingdom would also be effective. So that is three major theme parks that would would be affected by this. Like, I knew Ron DeSantis was stupid, but I didn't think he was this stupid because yeah he's losing a lot of popularity now because it's not just the fact that he's trying to take down this massive megacorp if he did this it would be affecting the people in florida negatively again as much as we like to rag on disney they provide a lot of jobs and they're the biggest taxpayers so it's like why are you trying to buy the hand that feeds you dude and all this is coming because Disney has the goal, the absolute audacity to say we stand behind the LGBT community and are continuing to do so. Yeah, the Senate very clearly had nothing to do with regulations or taxes, but just pettiness for Disney standing against them. Mm-hmm. I just, I feel like he kind of 
thinks he's like, you know, a lion going against another lion, but he's more like a kitten. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna end very badly for him. Oh, yeah. It just, yeah, this is, this is not gonna work out for him. I mean, we all know that Disney's going to win. It's the Disney mm -hmm. lawyers. You know, I just, like, people have been talking, we're talking about this all day yesterday. Um, someone had a picture of um, Mickey Mouse talking to Ron DeSantis saying, I'll be around much longer than you. And it's like, mm. yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's like this whole thing, I feel like just this could have been avoided. This could have just been finished. But Ron DeSantis is just prolonging it and making it worse. <laughs> I have just, I'm just glad someone's going to get to DeSantis. It's like, yeah, it's Disney, but you know what? I'm glad just somebody is going against DeSantis, and they're probably going to win. Now, I think yeah. you were the one who added this. Oh, uh, yeah, the United Kingdom government uh, blocks Microsoft's acquisition of Activism Blizzard. Good. So this one is also quite a lengthy story. Now, uh, not too long ago, uh, a lot of uh, allegations about workplace sexual harassment and, and uh, racism and discrimination occurred at Activism Blizzard with a lot of people alleging they were uh, both physically and verbally uh, mistreated at, it while working at Activism Blizzard. Like, there was also reports of the infamous Bill Cosby Street. Ooh. Yeah, and rather than trying to uh, fix all this, uh, CEO of Poppy Kotek, I believe his name is, instead was more interested in trying to get a golden parachute. So he looked at that company to try, I decided the entire company to with Microsoft offering a lot of money. Oh boy. And uh, Microsoft uh, they got the Xbox brand, and then they also recently uh, acquired uh, Bethesda not too long ago, which makes Fallout and. Uh, Doom, and Elder Scrolls, and uh, so they actually acquired Activision Blizzard. They would also own a lot more properties such as Call of Duty, Overwatch, World of Warcraft, Crash Bandicoot. So, uh, yeah. because of that, the United Kingdom government saying, and they will block Microsoft's acquisition of the company, saying that it would make them a monopoly. Yeah, so this is a good thing, just because they shouldn't mm -hmm. own this much stuff. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so... Yeah, hopefully uh, that'll stand, and... And unless Microsoft is planning on uh, trying to appeal that decision. I hope they don't. Yeah. Because this has been a problem in, like, the entertainment industry for a while, is too many companies are owning too much media. So, yeah, like, I, I'm really hoping that they can't, they can't appeal this or that the appeal falls through. Mm-hmm. So, let's see. Oh, and you re-added this one. You got yeah, it. because I just found this out today. So, um... Everybody knows who Rihanna is, Riri. Um, she is one of, like, the biggest stars. Um... She is going to be the voice of Smurfette in a new action hybrid feature from the Smurfs. Oh, they're making another one. Yeah. She joked that she said that she was tried out for Papa Smurf, but it didn't work out. Um, 
she's done a so little is bit. So is this a reboot or is this based off that Lost Tribe movie they did in a couple years back? I think this might be based off the movie they did a little while ago. Oh yeah, um, that one where they introduced more female Smurfs. Yeah, and um, yeah, she also has done some voice acting. She was the voice of Tip and Home, which I, I really actually like that movie. But she's also, she was in um, This is the End, Ocean's 8. Um, and this is going to be directed by uh, Raja Gosnell, who did, I think, the... Oh, God, no. <laughs> what? He uh, has a really bad track record when it comes to uh, directing. Oh, no. Like, he directed the uh, first two live-action Smurfs movies, the uh, oh, no, live-action... Oh, no, it? No. Yeah, and he also directed uh, Big Mama's House. No. Live-action Scooby-Doo films. And, oh, he did uh, that remake of Your Mind and Ours. And he did have Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Why do they keep giving this guy money? Oh, my God. Your guess is as good as mine. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. You should be. Okay. Oh, man. This, this news was a doozy. Maybe we'll get lucky and next week won't be as bad. Jesus. <sighs> okay. Do you want to go first for recommendations or me? Oh, well, I'll go first. So, uh, this first recommendation, you'll, you might have to go in with a more open mind because it's kind of a product of its time, but it's the anime miniseries Panty and Stocking. Yeah, it was done by Studio, the team that would form Studio Trigger, and it stars these two uh, foul-mouthed angels, Panty and Stockham. Panty is obsessed with sex, hence the name Panty, and oh, and a penny starts to turn into a a gun. And Stockham, her gothic sister, is focused more on sweets and food, and her stockings transform to swords. Twin swords. And because of the raunchy and crude behavior, they were banished from heaven and and kicked to earth under the guide of a pedophile pastor named Garterbelt. And in order to a make it back into with a big old afro. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in order to make it back to heaven, they have to slay a bunch of demons. And only to get sidetracked multiple times by their, their, their fatal flaws, like their obsessions with sex and food. And this show was inspired by a lot of uh, American uh, animated comedies. So, oh, it, it's, it shows in that. And it is a big different take on on a lot of the other anime that was coming out during that time, so... Because of that, I give it a recommendation. Just know that some hum- the humor might not hold up. Yeah, Fair disclosure. It, I mean, I still personally like it, but again, like um, Dad said, some of the humor it doesn't really hold up. It, it kind of has like South Parkish humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty good, and I really do love the animation. Also, the devil design, uh, like the designs of the demons, are really cool. Oh yeah, and my second recommendation is the movie anime movie Batman Under the Red Hood, based off the graphic novel of the same name, and I believe they even got the author of that uh, comic to also write the script for this movie. Let me uh, look it up. This Red is one of the um, 
the like DC um, animated films that went straight to DVD. Yep, Judd Winnick, who wrote the uh, graphic novel, also wrote, wrote in the script for this movie, and ooh, Bruce Timm was an executive producer. And Batman Under the Red Hood focuses on on the uh, uh, Black Mask now becoming the bit the full cr- big-time crime lord of Gotham. But uh, uh, Black Mask was a character from the comics, but uh, uh, things turn ugly when a new vigilante a crime lord by the name of the Red Hood shows up, up with, who's not only is he uh, hiring some of Black Mask goons away from him, but he's also killing a lot of criminals. Uh, which leads to a trifecta war between in Batman, the Red, Red Hood, and the Black Mask. Ah, uh, and what's... That's... I won't spoil it, but the Red Hood also seems to have some kind of his, mysterious history with Batman, as he knows everything about him. His moves, his weaknesses, even his name. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it either, even though this like um, story's been out for a while, but the twist mm-hmm. is really good. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I feel even though it's straight to DVD, and, and it's one of the best Batman movies. Mainly because of how it, they did an amazing job just adapting this story into a film. Oh, yeah, they really did. Mm-hmm. And the art's really good, too. Oh, oh yeah. So those are my two recommendations. Uh, Rudy? All right. So um, I am recommending a comedy special that you can actually watch on YouTube, and it features Randy Feldface. Now, who is Randy Feldface? He is a comedian who happens to be a puppet. Um, And, like, I think what's really interesting about Randy, um, like, you know, when you hear that, you know, people are like, oh, that doesn't sound that, like, funny. But dude, this is one of the funniest comedians I have ever seen. Like, oh, my gosh, he is so funny. And, like, the thing is, the puppet, like, the puppet's eyes, um, they don't move. But he does, he kind of plays into the fact that he's a puppet. It, like, it just, he's so funny. And he works the crowd really well, too. So this is, I think, his most recent comedy special. So I, um... I highly recommend it because it is on YouTube, and I'm also going to recommend a another thing on YouTube. The guy goes um, by the name Carpetbagger, and he is a guy who goes around the United States and visits um, like tourist attractions and various theme parks. And I just I find it really interesting. I love to see where he goes. I love to see um, like what he visits and like he does a really good job of showing you like everything he can um and he actually once um i uh, do some haunt actressing and um he came to the uh the uh haunt i work at like everyone's like oh he's coming and it's like oh that's so exciting so we all like scared him saying like carpetbagger we know you're here and you know, <laughs> um yeah so it's like I just, I really also think he's, he's got passion for what he's doing. Um, I think my favorite episode is he went to, there's like a, um, I guess you could call like a, I think I'm going to call it more like of an attraction of like the Wizard of Oz, where the actors like kind of act out the movie and you like follow the journey of Dorothy. 
and he had gone there before so a lot of the actors and actresses remembered him but he was just he was so good like he interacting with the the actors and everything so i um highly recommend him just go into youtube and type in carpetbagger and you'll find him hi i'm looking him up and a lot of his uh videos seem interesting i might oh, yeah. check him out afterwards it's also like a just good advertisement because like i want to go to um i think it's in the beachwood uh north carolina it's like i'm gonna go there now so yeah i again <laughs> highly recommend him so next week we are watching something that also is probably not gonna suck it's called it's such a beautiful day and oh this is my favorite animated movie of all time yeah oh i recommended this one yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to that episode. Again, I'm just so glad we're moving away from stuff like the NFT cartoons. <laughs> we need we need some good stuff. All right. Yeah, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody. End of show. Rudy here. Just wanting to say thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us. If you would like to support us more, please share the podcast. It would really mean the word to me and Chad. Also, um, you can write reviews wherever you can, like on Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. And again, just share us with your friends if you think we're funny or we're sharing. Once again, thanks for your support. And we will continue to watch really bad and weird cartoons. Bye.